ever wondered how people invest in mortgage notes? Well, our guest today will tell you exactly how you can make massive amounts of cash flow and much, much more. But first, you know the drill. Note investing is kind of a generic term for, in California, we, when you own your property, you, you have a deed of trust. In other states, you have a mortgage. And the note itself, the promise that you repay the bank is the mortgage or the promissory note. What note investing is, is we buy the mortgage or deed of trust and the promissory note from a bank or hedge fund where the borrower has already gone delinquent. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate. From Los Angeles, I'm Reid Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Today, we are having another cracking episode jam-packed full of incredible investing advice and tips to help you take your investing career to the next level. Most of you know we only interview the industry leaders that are killing it in their chosen niche of real estate investing here in the United States, and today is no different. So let's get cracking and into today's show. Guys, are you having a hard time finding and sourcing great single-family cash-flowing properties? I bet you're finding it hard to locate a good cash-flowing deal in your local market, right? Well, on this show, we are all about successful investing. And successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets with the right team. Here at Investing in the US podcast, we have joined forces with that right team, which is Narada Real Estate. The team at Narada Real Estate specializes in finding great cash-flowing single-family properties across different markets within the United States. Check out naradarealestate.com to find out more. That is N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Today, the entrepreneur in the hot seat to answer all my questions is Jay Tannerbaum. G'day, Jay. Welcome to the show. Hi, Reid. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, mate. It's been a long time. I've been talking to you, trying to get you on the show for a little while now, and I'm so glad to have you finally here. So guys, Jay is the managing member of Amina Capital Group, a real estate firm based here in Irvine, California, which is just down the road from me here in Los Angeles. In the past life, Jay was an attorney and has over 20 years experience in the debt collection industry. So he gives him a unique perspective in the mortgage note arena. Jay is a regular on the speaking circuit relating to note investing. And Jay also runs his own meetup called Notes and Boats, which is a monthly meetup group to educate and discuss specific note investing related topics. Awesome stuff, Jay. Um, so you are the first person on my podcast to educate us on note investing. But before we dive into today's show, do you want to tell us something that most people might not know about you unrelated to being such a successful real estate entrepreneur? Yeah, sure. My, I've been married to my wife for over 25 years, and I have six children, all, all with her. And my son, my oldest son, works with us. So balancing a, a, a happy marriage, a family, and having your, your firstborn son be part of your business has been a very rewarding experience for me. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So you're really truly keeping it in the family, Amina Capital. Where did, where did that name come from? 
actually that's the uh, the first names of my business partner's daughters, Amina and Ser- Amelia and Serena. Okay, awesome, interesting stuff. So, mate, let's get diving into the nuts and bolts of today's show, which is all about you know note investing. And I always, always, always ask my guests because this show is about educating people, right? And particularly international investors who want to buy here in the United States. Can you just start out and explain to the listeners in layman's terms, what is note investing? Sure. Note investing is kind of a generic term for, in California, we, when you own your property, you, you have a deed of trust. In other states, you have a mortgage. And the note itself, the promise that you repay the bank is the mortgage or the promissory note. What note investing is, is we buy the mortgage or deed of trust and the promissory note from a bank or a hedge fund where the borrower has already gone delinquent. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you're saying when I go to the bank and I'm I'm a borrower, I'm going to buy a single family property and I agree to borrow money off the bank and I sort of fill out a, a promissory note, as you said, a sort of a promise to pay the bank, the bank back this certain amount of money with an interest. Is that correct? And if and if I don't pay that, that money back, then I will become foreclosed upon. That's sort of the process. And then you will buy that foreclosed property or that foreclosed promissory note? For the most part, yeah. Yes. Typically what happens is you've bought your home and one thing or another, whether you bought it at the height of the market in 2006 or you had a job issue or whatever it is, you've gone delinquent on the, on the, the obligation to repay the loan on your home. And a bank, the banks and hedge funds, though, have been, well, in 2009, et cetera, when things started going you know, crazy, banks started foreclosing on everybody and that got a little bit too cumbersome. So then they started getting on a platform of let's try to loan mod everybody and that really didn't work out. So they decided just to sell the, the paper as a commodity which created a market for investors like us to go in with the relationships we established with banks and hedge funds to buy that defaulted instrument. We typically will buy mortgages or trust deeds that uh, where the borrowers are still occupying the homes. Right. Okay. So do you want to explain then a little bit about how the process works? Like how does someone, you know, I'm an international investor or even an investor here in the United States. How do I get started in note investing? The first thing is to get started is to either do one of two ways. Grab education from some reputable note investing source. My mentor happens to be a gentleman by the name of Scott Carson, uh, WeCloseNotes.com. I started with him in August of 2013, went to a a four-day live seminar. And as note investing is just a different debt instrument than what my debt collection world was like, it was an easy transformation for me. In addition to getting education, my advice has always been partner with somebody in the business such as ourselves who know what they're doing, they can show you hands-on. I learn personally by repetition, by, by digging in the trenches and doing it. I'm not an analytical little guy that can read a book and say, here's how I figure it out. I couldn't build IKEA furniture if you, if I, if you paid me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff. So if, I, if I'm going to break into the note investing market, I need to sort of partner with uh, a local professional like yourself, correct? That's correct. Does that just have to be local? Our joint venture partners come from all over the country. Okay, interesting. And and so, when explain to me a little bit about how I how you guys go about purchasing notes. Like, it's un, unlike you know I purchase a piece of real estate. I can go on Zillow or I can go on LoopNet. How are you guys? You, you mentioned it earlier that you are banks are creating platforms and you're re- creating relationships with those banks to buy the defaulted notes. Right, and that starts with with my son Eric. He is the acquisition manager of the company, and he has established tremendous relationships 
with various banks and hedge funds all across the country. Um, from you know reaching out on LinkedIn to just networking, um, just really you know staying un involved in the industry space and 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 areas of of relevance. Um, he's created uh, a tremendous amount of relationships. And not only that, I think what we what Amita Capital prides ourselves on more than anything else is those deep relationships. We bought. 185 assets since January of 2014, and we've only done business with about nine or ten sellers. So what it means is we've gone back to the same seller several times. We've done you know different transactions with sellers three or four times, perhaps. Interesting. So uh, explain to me and the listeners out there how you go about making money in note investing. How do you create cash flow? Easy. Um, again, our mission is to buy the occupied assets. We want to keep the borrowers in the home. So what happens is as soon as we buy the note, um, you, you, you have me take a step back. So my son will make the relationships with the banks or hedge funds. We will see a what's called a tape of assets. Could be three, five, could be three hundred. And we will cherry pick what we want to, to take down. We're buying about a quarter million dollars a month worth worth these assets. And we do our diligence. We check values just like you would check on, on a buying a, just one piece of property. We've got outsourcing vendors that can determine occupancy and value and what the outstanding taxes are and things like that. And then we will then turn around and purchase the asset um, or assets. We usually buy in, in pools. And um, from there, once we close the transaction, uh, we engage the industry average in this business when you buy a pool of assets, whether it's pool of three, pool of 30, whatever it is, is typically around a third of your investment will modify out. A third of the investment, the borrowers will give you a deed in lieu of foreclosure, so you don't have to foreclose if they, if they won't, if you can't work things out. And a third, you're going to reluctantly have to foreclose on the borrower. But because we utilize, um, in conjunction with my experience, a third-party credit counselor that comes to the borrower as more of a borrower's advocate. Let me help you talk to your, to the lender for you. Mm -hmm. Our average, our poor portfolio is running close to 50% loan modifications. Interesting. So you are acting as you want to try and help people. So give me some of the numbers that you're working with. When a bank has a property, is it, what sort of number, what sort of, what, the, what is a note worth? Is it around $100,000, $200,000, $400,000? What, what are you sort of looking at? We've bought assets in 24 states, and while I'm from California, we have not bought a single asset in California. The pricing is just, just too high. I mean, it's also the capital investment. Just why, why deploy that much capital for you know little amount of assets? We buy our primary markets. Um, as a new note investor, I would recommend that somebody picks out their five or six target markets. Now, having said that, why have we invested in 24 states? Because we buy occupied assets, it doesn't really matter where that check is coming from. Mailbacks money is coming from every month. Um, so we've kind of invariably branched out and taken and bought assets in, in a variety of states. But the point of it is, is when we're buying the asset, we're keeping the borrower in the, in the home. So we're creating the cash flow buy that monthly payment. We're buying it in the Midwest, the South, around 40 cents of the dollar. Typically, you know, we've bought, we have three primary asset classes that we purchase in. We purchase what we call the low value assets, which I'm going to scare you guys, but we're buying assets where the property value of the home is anywhere from $50,000 or less. And 
in middle America, you know, mid, in the Midwest, the Rust Belt, you know, $50,000 house is pretty comparable to a $350,000, $500,000 house here in California. So it's not, a, not an ugly rundown shack. It's somebody's, you know, emotional equity of the property that they, that they, that they bought. Um, we also buy assets that are a little higher class, you know, assets that are worth seventy-five to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. We've also bought some uh, seller-financed REOs, and have also kept those borrowers in the home as well by recreating seller-financed paper. Um, the answer to your question is how you make money. Well, again, with the lower-value assets, I could buy a fifty-thousand-dollar property where the the delinquent mortgage note is probably more than that. These houses are underwater. But we come along and we're buying against the lower of the of the unpaid principal balance or the value of the property. So if I'm buying an asset that's worth fifty thousand dollars for ten thousand, and my borrower is paying me a four hundred dollar monthly modification payment, there's where in the low balance space your returns are quite extraordinary. Now, if I'm buying a property that's worth a hundred thousand dollars, and that modification payment is around a thousand dollars. My returns are lower, but my but my property values are higher, and there's secondary sourcing that I could resell that note if I wanted to. I can get more, I get almost 80, 90 cents on the dollar of value on an ass on a performing mod modified note that's been seasoned for maybe a year. Right, interesting. So, just to recap, if you had some, say the borrower went out and took a hundred thousand dollars out to buy a property that's worth a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. They have then become delinquent, and the bank sells that note, that hundred thousand dollar note, to you at you said you know forty cents on the dollar. So maybe you're picking up for forty thousand dollars. Is that current you know, the sort of rough metrics? Have I got that right? And then you would then go and negotiate with the seller or something to continue to pay you because now you're the bank. Correct. Absolutely correct. Right. Right. Interesting. So how do you then? I've heard this key term out there called flipping notes, like you can flip a house. So explain the process of. You've got this delinquent um, uh, home occupier. You know it goes against all things that we learn in real estate about. You know, got to get the, the delinquent uh, borrower or the occupier out of the property. So, how are you trying to work with the with the borrower to you know get them back on track and get them paying their their monthly mortgage again? Good question. First of all, that is you know buying the occupied assets is our strategy, our mission, our our why keeping borrowers in their homes, keeping you know. Maintaining that 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 assistance is our why. Now, other investors in my in my space will target vacant properties or want to foreclose because they are just looking at buying a note as a different acquisition strategy of someone like yourself who's buying properties to foreclose to to fix and flip. Okay, with regards to how we are successful in getting borrowers to stay in their homes and get and modify the loans. Again, it's one of two ways. My credit counselor, like I said, with approach with a different approach, is not as a debt collector saying you're behind, pay me yesterday, or or or, or else mentality. They come across as how let me help you help, you know, talk to your bar, talk to your lender. Now, when I'm doing it myself, and as you know, I've, I did it myself in the early days. I do it occasionally from now on. But buying as many assets as we manage now, I just don't have the opportunities I used to. But my approach, I guess, is rather unique. It comes as a partial debt collection experience and just a partial just listing, listing very well. And a typical scenario would be I'd call you up, Reed, and I'd say, hey, Reed, I'm your new lender. When I just introduce myself, my name is Jay Tenenbaum. I'm your new lender on the property. And then I'll say the magic words. 
how may I help you? And the response I get is usually one of about 10 seconds of silence, a little bit of apprehension and fear that I'm not for real. And once we get over that hurdle, then they vomit their country western song on me. I'm delinquent because everything that happened to them and their brother. And while I just sit back and listen, out typically comes, but I could promise to pay you X amount of dollars going forward. I will have a conversation saying, okay, that's great. Where is that money coming from? Just qualify them a little bit over the phone as to, you know, where the money's coming from, what they're earning now. Just make sure that, uh, that, it's, that it's for real. And unlike others who look for, you know, I got to see, you know, financials and all that, borrower and debtor are all the same breed. They got in their situation for various reasons, and they're not the greatest at providing you documentation to support what's, what you want to see or what you don't want to see because they're just, or life's just ch a challenge for them altogether. So typically, when a guy will tell me, what he can afford to pay, I know going into the conversation of what I paid for the asset. Like I said, if I'm into the asset for $10,000 and a guy offers me $4,400 a month, well, a quick, a quick calculation is a 48% return. Do you think I'm turning that down? Right. Interesting. Because he's still thinking that the property is worth, you know, well, it's still worth $60,000 or whatever it might have been, correct? Yes. And, he, and, he, not, and, not only, and not only that, but he wants to stay there. Most important, most important, not only does he want to stay there, but working with me, choosing to work with me, is it was is a is a possibility of you're going to, we're going to come to a solution that you're going to stay in your home. You want to stay in your home, and whatever we come out with as far as a new monthly payment is going to be less than what it's going to cost you to rent somewhere else. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah and, okay. And, and in that. You've got basically when I'm talking to a borrower, I have basically four factors that I can, quote, modify. The monthly payment, the interest rate, the term, or the balance. Now, not all modifications that I do require anything more than just changing the payment. Typically, I'll put them into maybe a new 30-year term just because it's easy to, to, to redo the amortization. But I and, and and I probably will fluctuate with the interest rate just to make sure that the payment makes sense. What he's he's already told me is a step as a starting point of here's what payment he can do. So I just build the rest of the four of the other three components around that. And not always do I have to mod, change, modify or reduce the the principal balance. I will on occasion, and I will do other things to incentivize them even further if I choose to. But with regards to you make 12 consecutive payments and for every dollar you paid, I will credit you dollar, you know, dollar for dollar. I've, you know, and, not, and sometimes I haven't had to do that, but I will do that as just an extra kicker. And at the end of the day, the other question that usually comes up is, okay, well, you're modifying loans, but the, historically a modification will usually default itself again in about 30% or 50% of the time. Because of my approach, the way I just explained it, my default rate is probably 5%. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And so let's just be clear here for anyone out there who's just lost uh, you a little bit. The borrower still owes, if you've picked up the note for $10,000, um, the borrower still owes the original um, amount that they, they, that they agreed to, which might have been $40,000 or $50,000, correct? Correct. So they're still paying the interest and principal based on that $50,000, right? Yes. Yes. All right. Even though that you've picked it up for ten thousand dollars, which is now for all those people out there, this is where the, the the juicy part scene comes in. 
that's where you get that such bigger return. If it's $400 a month on a $10,000 investment, it makes sense, right? That, that's correct. They, while, while at that point in time, the original terms of the, of the note have not changed, until we make a deal, they haven't paid on that for probably two, three, four, five years. Got it. Interesting. Okay. And so are you ever trying to get them to show good faith money and say, well, look, look, you're behind on your payments a significant amount. Can you pay a thousand bucks, a couple of grand to get you to get you back up to at least get you on your way back to, you know, making good with with the, the original amount, which was, you know, fifty thousand dollars, because I'm using that for an example. Good question. I I'm probably a little unique because when when I learned when I learned this business from the very beginning is yes, you strive to get that down payment. Now, again, I take a little different approach to it. While you may be two, three, four years delinquent, you're not delinquent quite yet on my watch. So as I said before, my conversation starts with with them telling me what they can afford. Now, included in that conversation, I will inquire as to what type of down payment and what, how, where, where it's going to come from, what money they have available to do it. But again, I'm not going to kill a deal over you don't have a down payment because again, if the monthly payment that they're espousing works from a return on my standpoint, and I'm only you know, and I'm getting in the trenches and getting these modification discussions either between myself or my third-party credit counselor, we're doing this in the first 30 to 60, 90 days that we own the, we own the loan. So they're not delinquent yet necessarily on my watch. So I'm not going to let a, a lack of a down payment stand in its way. I'll get down payments, and people will, again, vomit down payments for me. Um, it's just a matter of what, what they have to work with. Sure, sure. You mentioned before that you're only coming into the, the process just before the bank will foreclose on this particular person, right? If they've, if they've been delinquent for two or three years, surely the bank is like, well, I'm going to foreclose on this person earlier than that. Is that not correct? No, no. What happens is um, in 2009, et cetera, that was probably the mantra, yes. They were went to, you were five minutes delinquent and people were foreclosing. Banks were foreclosing on, on people all over the place. And, you know, you know, law firms make good livings on on you know processing that stuff and and processing foreclosures and and that was just the way the banks thought they could shore up their books. It evolved into after a year or so of just being too cumbersome and and you know the resistance, the court backlogs, everything else, to where you know the banks started saying, "Hey, let's start you know reaching out and being a little more aggressive on approving loan mods." Well, they weren't bureaucratically set up to approve loan mods as efficiently. I can't obviously for obvious reasons. So then they decided, let's just sell the assets as commodities. So they're selling this stuff off to large hedge funds. We're writing, you know, seven, eight-figure checks, and the hedge funds, in in the evolution of life, aren't necessarily doing anything else with it other than packaging it up and reselling it to somebody else. So all these loans, these loans are, you know, you've heard the stories where people have got their loan bought and sold four times over. Yeah, it's just it's just being sold as a commodity, but nobody's working it out. Well, the buck stops on my watch. When I buy the loan, I'm buying it for the sole purpose of creating that new solution. So the borrower has had maybe delinquent for several years just because nobody has desired to be aggressive for clothes. They rather just see if, figure out how they can resell it as a commodity. Interesting. Okay. So essentially, you're you're going in and doing the hard work that the big banks just don't want to do because you know they don't have the manpower, they don't have the energy or the time. But that's left you an opportunity to create that wealth, create cash flow, and you know create a business where someone is just being lazy. Essentially, is that correct, Jay? 
Yeah, I don't know if I would call it lazy, although you probably could, but I'd also call it they're inefficient. Right, 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 right. So, mate, what markets are you primarily focused on? We primarily buy in the Midwest and the South, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Alabama, the Carolinas are probably some of our favorite markets. We purchased in 24 states because when we first started doing this, buying the occupied assets, you know, doing a loan mod and getting uh, a wire transfer through our servicer from any particular part of the country, it didn't matter. So we just bought occupied assets no matter what state they were. Um, as we've gone on, we've developed more concentrated markets that we've got, you know, stronger boots to the ground to move our REOs or fix and flip our properties when they are become REOs, et cetera. Um, and that's what probably the, the states I mentioned are probably some of my most favorites. Awesome. So you're looking in that Midwest, very cheaper. I mean, we've, all the examples we'll be doing over today's show have been like, you know, notes that are worth $100,000 or less. Could you do it in a market like California or New York where the the notes are worth more, like, you know, three, dollars $400,000? Yes. Yes and no, if you want to get your phrase begin. First of all, <laughs> New, York is, New York has got a probably the longest foreclosure time frame in the country, New York and New Jersey. So we stay out of there because you don't need to be tied up in a foreclosure for three years. Um, it's just inefficient over there. Um, California, you know, California, well, I would love to be able to play in my backyard. And as you know, I've never bought an asset here. The problem with California, at least now, is that while I'm buying assets in the Midwest and the South for 40 cents on the dollar plus, I'm getting, I would be buying assets here in California for 80, 90 cents on the dollar. So the, just the margins aren't there. Number one. Number two, if I'm buying, a, you know, a note on a $300,000 house at 90 cents on the dollar, I'm spending $250,000. For $250,000, I'm buying 20 assets in the Midwest. Right. Right, 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 right. Interesting. No, it just it makes sense. And for international people who are listening out there, it just goes to show the you know we talk a lot about on the show how come people can can cash flow and buy houses for so cheaply. Well, just there's a spectrum. And in places like California, in New York, the the houses obviously worth more. But in the Midwest, they're, they're worth a lot less. And, and Jay has found an opportunity to create incredible cash flow, you know, on delinquent notes that are under a hundred thousand dollars. So so awesome stuff, mate. Um, so this show is all about helping international investors as you know jay are you working with any international investors right now uh no no (laughs) well if anyone's out there who's interested in investing in notes please hit up jay uh so jay with all your expertise and experience in buying house notes and flipping them and making them creating wealth and, and essentially keeping people in their homes i know you're primed to give me your top five investing tips you ready to get into it sure All right. What's the most successful habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Just having a, a foundation and a, and a process. Right. So you can go from buying one note to 185 notes and, and, and just wash, rinse, repeat. Got it. Got it. Most influential tool in your real estate business. I'm sure you're going to have a few of them, but which one's the most influential? I'm still an old school guy. The phone, the phone connecting with the borrower over the phone is still the number one success thing. I mean, this industry does not have a software program that can manage your assets and create workflows, which is really anybody out there that's a computer programmer that would love to do work on a customized program. Um, that's our biggest need right now. Um, but picking up picking up the phone and, and connecting with the borrower, you know, by phone is, is place far. And there's actually um, sur- sources out there that you can, when I'm calling, I'm actually calling them from, a, from their local area codes. 
that they, if I call people from 714, a lot of people will ignore me. But if I'm calling them from a the area, the area code in their in their backyard, they'll pick up the phone. Yep, yep. And it goes back to what you're valuing your business, and that is that you're picking up the phone and you're wanting to keep people in their house, in the house that there's their, of their dreams, and you just want to work with them and try and get them back being a, a performing note again. So kudos to you, mate. Uh, what's the most exciting project you're working on right now? Probably our seller finance platform. We are buying some REOs, addition to notes. We are, some of our notes have certainly become REOs. So we've developed a very unique and exciting platform. We are buying, we are providing seller financing to not only an end buyer and to attractive firms. Um, we're also providing uh, seller financing to the investor, fixer, fix and flipper, or buy and hold investor, where they're getting writing about eight percent paper for a year. Um, we're also combined with that in certain situations, um, providing them with a construction loan, um, basically more to, to, to monetize our ability on the property. We're getting the revenue from the construction loan and the seller finance paper, but you're allowing an, an investor to get in, you know, without without the cost of capital being an impediment to moving into buying property. Because one thing we found is with our access to sourcing. We've got the assets, and when we go to our local markets with our REOs, et cetera, you know, the lack of property to purchase is a, is a glaring need in most markets. So when we come along providing the, not only the assets, but attractive terms, we are just doing really well with this platform, and we're really excited about it. So you're like a one-stop shop for anyone who wants to you know, get, their, get their, D, uh, their mortgage back on track, but also if they want to do some rehabs to the, to the house as well, correct? That's correct. Awesome, buddy. Who's the most influential person in your career? Yeah, my no career would have to be Scott Carson. He was the, uh, a gentleman that has been in this business for since 2006, I believe. And some innocuous day in August of 2013, I got an email from a friend of mine. This guy was, and I've never heard of this guy before. He was doing a four-day no-buying-for-dummies workshop in uh, San Diego. And I went down there, and on the first day, knew that this was just a death the different dead instrument that I've been used to having in my experience and I was hooked and yep. I haven't looked back. Awesome. And the last question Matt, is the best US deal you've completed to date? I'll tell you my my favorite, just because it illustrates kind of like my why. But I mean, I've done so many deals and some of them are different, et cetera, and you know, they're all just basically helping people out. But I will tell you briefly a story. We bought a home in Oklahoma in November. It was a REO. And the woman, when we bought it, the possession, she hadn't been evicted yet by my seller. They, they already, the property had already been foreclosed on by my seller. And I connected with her and said, you know, you don't have to leave. Why don't you get a loan and pay me off? And she said, fine. And at the time, I took the approach of, in the meantime, why don't you just lease the property from me? So I sent her a lease agreement. And all of a sudden, she stopped connecting with me. And all of a sudden, one day, she calls up. So we knew she went dark. And one day, you know, we proceeded with marketing property to resell it to somebody else. And an investor calls me up and he says, I want to buy this property. My bulldozer would love to have an appointment with this house. The house is just garbage. <laughs> and I said, well, that's great. And we continued to talk. And while we were talking, the lady, the original lady, calls up. And I'm on the phone. She talks to my business partner. And she says, why is there an eviction notice on the door? I moved away 30 days ago. And by the way, I don't want to talk to Jay. I don't like the terms of his lease. So being you know, unafraid, unabashed, 
I just picked up the phone when I got off the call I was on, and I just left a message for her. I said, give me a call. You know, worth a shot. Ten minutes later, she calls me back. And she says, I didn't like the terms of your lease. I said, well, did you ever think of calling me up and talking about it? I could do that? Well, yeah, I'm easy to talk to you. I told you that from the very beginning. She says, oh, well, I didn't know that. I said, by the way, what do you, where do you live now? What have you been doing? Well, her husband was a, is a, just got a job when we first started talking as a long-haul truck driver. So she's living in his cab for two or three weeks. But now she's living in Georgia with her son. And she tells me, I feel like I'm a burden. And I'll tell you, when I'm talking to borrowers, you know, we talked about this before with regards to listing the Country Western song and they just kind of vomit what they're, what they're doing. Um, while you listen to what people are saying, there's just nuggets of information. So she says, I'm living with my son and I feel like that's burden. Well, I pick up on that and I said, would you like to move back to your house? She starts to cry. This is my dream house. I said, lady, I can make that happen. So we moved her back from Georgia to Oklahoma. We bought the property for about $17,000. We just rewrote a new seller finance arrangement um, at the same term that, that she had defaulted on before. So she's in the property now for $36,000. And like $441 a month. And um, we did the seller financing for her. And she's been dutifully paying about two or three months now. Awesome. Congratulations. I think that's awesome that you've been able to take her out of a situation that she was clearly unhappy in and put her back in a house that she loved. Exactly. Now, and that's my why. Mm-hmm. Keeping people in their homes is, is, why, is why I get get up every morning. Right, right, right. No, and I think that's incredible, mate. Uh, and I kudos to you and, and your team over at Amina Capital. Mate, last question is, where can people reach you to continue the conversation and find out more about your node investing or maybe even your meetup group? Because I said at the beginning of the show, Notes and Boats is your meetup group down in uh, Orange County. That's correct. So we are, you can connect with us at, um, my email address is jay at aminacap.com, A-M, A as in Adam, M as in Michael, E is in Edward, N is in Norman, A is in Adam, B is in Charlie, Adam, Paul, dot com. My phone number is 800-488-2636. My cell number, 714-458-6317. And I welcome anybody calling me on my cell, and that's probably the easiest way to reach me. Um, and I look forward to anybody giving me a shout. And... Uh, with me and see what we can do. Awesome, mate. Well, look, you provided us some absolutely cracking information about node investing. You are, as I said, you are the first person on the show to talk about node investing. It's such a different way of making money and it's, you become the bank and you become the bank on these smaller notes. But um, just to recap that, you know, you go in there, you, you get a delinquent note, you go and try and work with the delinquent borrower and try and get them back into their home because your why is to trying to keep people in their home, not to try to evict them and put them out on the street. So I think that's very, very courageous of you and, you know, pat on the back and uh, I, I wish you well, mate. But thanks again for dropping by and chatting with us and have a great rest of your week. My pleasure, Reed. Thank you so much for having me.
Well, there you have it, another cracking insight into note investing, such an interesting way of making money. Now, make sure you check out all the show notes for a summary of today's conversation with Jay, and any links we mentioned on today's show will be up on my website at www.rsnpropertygroup.com. Whilst you're there, sign up for my newsletter, and also check out some of my wine and cheese events that I host in downtown LA called The Wine Downtown. If you are in LA and you want to hit me up for coffee, lunch, or even a beer, I am always love meeting up with other real estate investors and talking shop. Just shoot me an email and let me know when you're next in town. Thanks again for dropping by and taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ as that's what we're all about here on this show. If you do like this show and you want to give back, jump on iTunes and leave the show a five-star review. It's quick, it's simple, and it helps us grow our community of eager listeners wanting to invest here in the United States. Guys, we're going to do this all again next week. So remember, take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. Happy investing.